You're listening to Dynasty by Decade, presented by DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN at sign up for exclusive offers. everybody this is neil bell piano from the devil's state of mind podcast and i'm sean harrington from talking ice and jd and today we are going to be talking about the 90s new jersey devils as part of the dynasty by decade series sponsored by DraftKings on the hockey podcast network sean you and i are diehard new jersey devils fans to say the least and yes. uh, you and i have seen some really great memories over the years. And even though it's been quite some time since Lord Stanley made his presence in the Garden State, uh, there have been some great moments uh, not terribly long ago that really got the Devils and really the state of New Jersey on the map because, you know, nowadays they're really the only professional sports team in this state that has the state's name in it. So it's kind of a, we kind of take a lot of pride in this New Jersey Devils uh, organization. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the only team we have. I mean, we had the Nets a couple of years ago, but they moved to Brooklyn. And if you want game, to count... Game five is tonight, in case anybody wants to know. Yeah. Game five is tonight. Hopefully, hopefully series hopefully is over. Yeah, and then we play Milwaukee. That's going to yeah. be tough. And then we have the Jets and Giants, which are technically New York, but they play in New Jersey. So the Devils are really the only New Jersey team, which is insane. But it is. bleed red all the time, no matter what. Absolutely. And also the New York Red Bulls as well, playing over in Harrison. That's right. New Jersey, yeah. which in case you would like to know, uh, Harrison is across a little river from Newark. Uh, they call themselves the New York Red Bulls, even though I would prefer they go back to the Metro Stars. But that is me. And that is not what we are talking about today. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be talking about the 90s Devils. That was really the pinnacle of the Devils. And they really began their whole run of not just Stanley Cup success, but certainly playoff success. I mean, I when when I was growing up, and I'm sure same thing with you, Sean, we grew up just being accustomed to seeing Devils making the playoffs and giving themselves at least a shot to yeah. win a Stanley Cup every single year when we were much younger. Nowadays, eh, not so much. It's, uh, actually, tomorrow is the draft lottery, so once again, we have to figure out where we're going to finish. Yay! Mm-hmm. Awesome! But let's let's talk about the 90s New Jersey Devils. So, the good old days. You know, the good old days. By 1990, the Devils were far removed from the Mickey Mouse organization as the great one Wayne Gretzky had infamously called us after he destroyed us with the Edmonton Oilers. I think the game that I'm referring to was an 8-2 to two or a 10-2 to two loss in Edmonton. Like that. We got destroyed. And yeah. he said that and he was like, they were a joke in Kansas City. They were a joke in Colorado. And the Devils organization really needs to do something, really bring in some good players in order to actually be taken seriously. And, you know, obviously, I'm going to be honest, that kind of quote pissed me off. Yeah. And here's the thing about it. The, the thing about it is that I've actually heard things be said like that about the Devils even now. Like, I feel like we are 
gone back to the 90s and people are saying, oh, the devils are irrelevant. Nobody cares. They should move to Quebec or back to Kansas City. I've heard that rumor several times. What? Or just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the one making up these rumors. That's right. the thing. But it just, here's the thing. You have to be from Jersey to understand how infuriating these type of things are and the constant crap that we get from other people. Yeah, it's it, to be honest with you, but it, it's all about the age of social media. The devils aren't good when Instagram, Twitter, all that came around. So it, everybody has the same general opinion of the devils. They're garbage. They're constantly a lottery team every year. They're just going to tank, tank, tank. They're with Buffalo, Edmonton when they were bad and all that. But you have yeah. to be a real devils fan and from New Jersey to actually know that. This team was one of the most dominant teams of all time and had some of the all-time great players that the NHL and hockey has ever seen. People in hockey, not just players, but management too. And we'll get a little bit into that later. But the 90s Devils really set up the rich history that the Devils currently have and what we can brag about today because there's not much to brag about when you're a Devils fan in this current year (laughs) right exactly 100 and you were talking about you know legends also in the front office and obviously the big one that we all know is a man that is still working in the national hockey league currently the general manager of the new york islanders and that's lou lamorello he came to new jersey from providence i believe he was the athletic director at providence at the time he came to the devils in 1987 and got the team to the playoffs for the first time in their history that same year, the infamous game against the Chicago Blackhawks and John McClain in overtime with that beautiful, you know, takes the slap shot off a rebound. And, you know, just that great call that we got that a lot of people have heard before. The Devils Gary- make the playoffs for the first time in their history. <laughs> right. Gary Thorne, who ironically, he got his first big gig in hockey with the New Jersey Devils. And then was replaced by Doc Emmerich. So in case you'd like to know, there's a little bit of trivia for all of you people out there. But yeah, that was kind of the beginning. And Lula Morello just, he knew what he needed to do to build this team. He knew what it took. And they had drafted already before he had gotten there. And also when he got there, they had drafted some good players right away. John McClain, like we mentioned, Bruce Driver, Ken Danico, Kirk Muller, and even Pat Verbeek. So they clearly had a lot of talent right away. They also had, fun fact you didn't know us, they also had Peter Stastny at one point, uh, the father of Paul Stastny, and I talked about that on a Devil State of Mind episode a couple weeks back. But they clearly had a lot of talent. And even in the early 90s, Sean, and I'm sure you you can definitely agree with me, that they just got better and better and better. And Lula Morello is making great move after great move. And I remember when he got Stefan Richet from Montreal, yep. he brought in, he brought in Claude Lemieux, which was mm-hmm. kind of like a, whoa, like where'd that come from? Like mm-hmm. it's, and th- these were big moves that really kind of raised eyebrows from the rest of the league uh, that this devil's team was this is starting to be for real. Yeah. I was unfortunate enough to not experience 
the Devils and its greatness and how Lou ran things. I mean, I was around when the Devils were like making playoffs, whatever, early 2000s, but I was too young to understand the real hockey operation side of it. But Lou Lamorello was an absolute genius, and there's a reason why he's still in hockey today. He's been for 40 plus years, this guy has been running NHL organizations to nearly cup finals and championships and making the playoffs consistently. He just knows how to do it. And it all starts with everybody knowing their role, right? He, right. I, I never heard this quote, but my dad has told me it before when we talk about the devils all the time. And he said, the having a hockey team is like an orchestra. Everybody needs to play their part, their role perfectly for everything to come together. And that's why the devils won so many Stanley cups. Like Claude mm-hmm. Lemieux was not a scorer. He was a depth bottom forward. He was a scrapper. Exactly. He, he, scrapper. he was tough, got greasy goals, pissed off the other team. And he turned out to win the con Smythe in 95 which was absolutely insane. And even like yeah. later, Arnett, J- Jason Arnett, he oh. wasn't a scorer either, but he came together with Eliash and Sakura in 2000 mm-hmm. and they were killing it. So mm-hmm. Lou Lamorello knew what he got, knew what he needed. And he brought in guys to make the orchestra better and yeah. shipped out guys that didn't. And it's simple as that. And he still does that today. That's why he, that's why he brought back Leo Komarov a couple of years ago. <laughs> Everybody wow. was like, why, who cares? But Lou do not ever doubt God, right. AKA Lou Lamorello. Right. And I think it's safe to say that Lou Lamorello is certainly one of the greatest general managers, not just in hockey, but in yeah. sports and his track record speaks for itself. Like I said, he took the Devils to five different Stanley Cups, won three of them, and then he goes to Toronto and builds the team that Toronto has now. Obviously, they haven't won anything, and whatever the hell happened in Game 7 back on Monday night was whatever, but he's he's not there. Then he goes to the Island, and look at the Islanders. The Islanders are now a powerhouse, a team that very well could finally get themselves to the point where they can win a Stanley Cup, and that doesn't surprise me that Lou is having that success because people could say he's past his prime and everybody says the game has passed him by. No, it hasn't. He's just adapted and gotten better and better. And it really started in these early years. And then you go to 93, 94. And for a lot of Devils fans, that's when it really started. That's when we really started to get the respect that we were looking for from the NHL world. The, The Devils had clearly become a force and Going into that season, they had made another bombshell move. They hired former Montreal Canadian head coach Jacques Lemaire. And that was, again, like a whoa, because that clearly was a message that, you know what? We're at that point now. We are at that point where we are trying to take the next level in being this good. And we want to compete for a Stanley Cup. And under Jacques the team roared through the 93-94 regular season with a lineup of defensemen, Scott Stevens, we all know him, Scott Niedermeyer, Ken Danico, as I mentioned before, Stefan Riche, John McClain, Bobby Holden, Claude Lemieux, and also a young goaltender in just his second season ever in the National Hockey League. You may have heard his name. He's considered, for a lot of us, the greatest goaltender to ever play the position. He his name is. is Mark Tamberder. He is. 
Well, don't. yeah, I mean, we we, yeah. we could sit here and spend the next half hour of airtime talking about why we think he's the greatest goaltender of all time. But the numbers speak for themselves, and we don't have fact. to we don't we don't have to defend that. And it's also, fact. last time I checked, um, he's the only goalie that I know that has a statue in front of a stadium at the moment. Mm. So yeah. I don't see I don't see a Patrick Wall statue. I don't, I don't see a Hasek statue. I don't where, see. Where I, I certainly do not see a Henrik Lundqvist statue outside mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. So yeah. so yeah, let, let's let's look at that. And, and fun fact for Marty Brodeur, he actually was honored as the league's top rookie with the Calder Memorial Trophy that year. So that was, he had played like two or three games in 1992-93, but this was technically his rookie year. He played the full year with Chris Terreri, who everybody, if you think about it, of all the backups that Marty Brodeur has played with, I think one of the fan favorites is probably Chris Terreri because of the success he had with the team and also the success he had with as a coach. Uh, he was actually the goalie coach for Marty towards the end of his uh, time, but the Devils dominated. But there was one team, unfortunately, they could not have success with that regular season, losing all six times to, and that was the hated New York Rangers. They had mm-hmm. lost all six games that year, and the only reason they finished in second place in the Eastern Conference behind the Rangers was because they couldn't beat them at all. And of course, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they faced the New York Rangers, who at that time. As we all know, the chants of 1940 were loud and loud and clear as the Rangers were trying desperately to win a Stanley Cup and end that 54-year drought. And Sean, I know this is very hard for us to talk about because we don't like to talk about losing. We've gotten, uh, unfortunately, kind of accustomed to that over the last couple of years. But hmm. we'll try to get through this as quickly and painless as possible. But the Devils took a three games to two lead in the, in that conference finals, going back to the Brendan Byrne arena at the time, which is now the, which was the continental airlines arena, which then became the IZOD center. So now it doesn't host it, anything yeah. at all. Um, and Mark Messier guaranteed that the Rangers would win game six. And not only did they do that, but Mark Messier scored a hat trick. And I got to tell you, that was such a, gut-wrenching thing because it looked like the Devils were going to get over the hump and go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and they ended up having to play Game 7. Yeah, it was definitely tough, and that's one of those things where, like I mentioned earlier, did not experience it, so some of you out there probably remember where you were when that happened and the feeling you had, but that that was a very young Devils team. They had very very young guys. It was a little mix of a little bit of veteranship, but like you mentioned guys like Marty and uh, I think Niedermeyer was also on the team at that point. Someone you have, we haven't even mentioned yet that, which is just nuts in itself. But I like to think of it as the 94, 93, 94 season needed to kind of happen to get the devils like, okay, we know we're right there and we know what it takes. Yeah. And we can just keep it going. And that that's really when the dynasty year started because before 94, they made the playoffs for like a couple of years, but always lost in either the first or second round. Right. Couldn't really do anything, but then they met the Rangers. And after that season, they were like, yeah, we know what we have to do now. Mm-hmm. And the next year they won the freaking cup. So, right. And, and it, that's what started everything. And yeah, the Rangers can be like, Oh yeah, we beat you guys in the Eastern conference finals or whatever. What have they done since? I mean, th- I well, know lose, this is lose to the devils in 2012. 
Exactly. So you want to mato mato me all you want? I'll Henrique <laughs> you right back. There you go. And yeah, yeah. The the Devils ended up losing Game Seven at the Garden um, after tying the game with seven seconds to go. Valerie yeah. Selipukin scored a tying goal, and then they go to overtime. And uh, I, jeez, I can still see it. Stefan Riche had the puck, and he was about to shoot into an empty net, and the Devils were going to win in in overtime. And right after that. After that missed chance, we all know Stefan Mateau scoring that goal and the Rangers would eventually go on to win the Stanley Cup. And I've said it before that if the Devils had made it to the Cup Final, I think they also would have beaten Vancouver. I think that they were just as good um, with the structure that they had yeah. uh, as the Rangers did with theirs. And I think, and and Sean, I don't know if you would agree, but a lot of people would say that that Rangers-Devils series in 94 was the greatest uh, playoff series in the history of the National Hockey League. A lot of probably, people have actually said that. You could probably make that argument. I'm sure there's a lot of late 90s, early 2000s, Colorado, Detroit series that were very good. I know any really Montreal kind of series, but I mean, the 94 Devils Rangers is probably one of the better ones. I would say it's solid top 10, at least, I would think. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can't name series exactly, but really the dynasty teams that really ran into each other, whether it's the Western conference final or the Stanley cup final or anything Mm -hmm. like that. There, there were a lot of good series and you can definitely say devils Rangers in 94 was a good one to watch, whether you were a devils or Rangers fan or just a Mm -hmm. hockey fan in general. It it was a phenomenal series and yeah, it was very tough. Um, But you knew that the devils were right there. You knew that it was okay. Now we know. We needed to have a loss like this and the frustration and the disappointment in order to take that next step. And the next year was actually a lockout year. Um, and it was shortened to, I think, half of a season. I think it was like a half a year, which I don't remember how many games it was top of the half. But despite that setback, like we mentioned, with the with the Devils losing the conference finals, the team returned to the Eastern Conference Finals the next year in 95, took on again another one of their rivals, the Philadelphia Flyers, and Ended up winning that series four games to two. You know, guys like Jacques Lemaire, um, you know, Jim Dow, Jersey guy, you know, mm-hmm. guys like that stepping up. And the Devils were able to win the conference finals and move on to the Stanley Cup finals for the first time in franchise history. And their matchup was another team desperate to try to finally win another, well, at least for them, another Stanley Cup. And that was the Detroit Red Wings. And I remember that a lot of the people who were making predictions for that series, I would say 95% of them said that the devils were going to not only lose, but get swept. Like, Mm -hmm. because you looked at the red wings and you looked at how much talent they had, Steve Iserman, they had, they had Fedorov, Fedorov. they had sensations. Yeah. Right. They had Mike Vernon. They had Chris Osgood at that time. Did they have Lindstrom? I believe they did have Lindstrom at that time. They had, you know, Darren McCarty. They had so much talent by that time. And they were trying to get over the hump and try to win a Stanley cup. And the devils came in and they were like, we are going to do whatever we can to get this done. And they not only did the Devils win the Stanley Cup, they swept the Detroit Red Wings like that. No problem. It wasn't even close. There was not a single game in that entire series that was close. The Devils dominated from the first puck drop in game one to the last puck drop in game four. 
And the Red Wings were stunned because I'm sure a lot of Red Wings fans will tell you in years past, that might have been one of the most embarrassing performances in a cup final they've ever seen because nobody thought that this Devils team who had never been to the cup final and in the history, not just as the New Jersey Devils, but as the Colorado Rockies and, you know, Kansas City as well, had gotten even close to sniffing the finals. Mm -hmm. And then they got there and they were able to do it. And it was the first major professional sports championship in the state's history. And, And look, I know that the Giants won the Super Bowl in 1986 and 1990, but they didn't play in New Jersey. Yeah. Um, the games were not in New Jersey. So it was, and, and also they were the New York Giants and they still are. Yeah. So it wasn't really, you know, Jersey's championship. This was it. This was New Jersey could say, we are the best at a professional sport. And what made it sweeter was we all know the year before the Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup didn't have to go very far across the river or through the Hudson Tunnel. And it's right in the Garden State of New Jersey. And it was just, you know, they, as they said in newspapers, they said the Garden to the Garden State. And it was great. And like you mentioned before, Claude Lemieux, big time performer, big time performer, clutch as hell. When it mattered most, he came through, especially in the Stanley Cup finals. And he won himself the Con Smite Trophy as playoff MVP. And Sean, I mean, it. I cannot imagine what that feeling was like to finally, as a state, be recognized as a championship state. You know, yeah. and that's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable that the Devils were able to do it and just and dominate a much heavily favored Detroit Red Wings team. Yeah, I definitely think that the Red Wings definitely didn't take the Devils seriously at first. And I don't think anybody did. I think, like you mentioned, nobody gave the Devils a chance except for the Devils. The Devils really believed in themselves. Lemaire really got them going, motivated, and playing the, the way they needed to play, the trap. The trap neutral is something. Trap. The neutral zone trap, which minimizing. by the way is still being is still being implemented in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. And if you don't believe me, go watch the New York Islanders play hockey. Yeah, Barry Trotz plays a very similar defensive style that very much is because of the. 90s devils and that's everybody wants to make fun of us saying oh the devils only won because of the trap well why didn't your team do it why didn't your team win three stanley cups because of it so we you can make that argument you, all you if want you can't stop it don't complain exactly don't holding complain. other teams holding other teams to like 20 shots a game what what and like you know what toronto getting seven shots in one game in the playoffs yeah it's you know like shut up it worked here's the thing it worked yeah and that's the thing the like you need a style of play and it's that is just what worked for everybody. Neater, uh, not Niedermeyer. Stevens was the defensive guy. He, he could chip in a little bit offensively. Danico, Albaline, just to name a few guys. Yeah. Mike Peluso as well. 
Mm-hmm. Big time guy. They all played that defensive style of game where they just will not let you get into the neutral zone. And what the Devils would just win one nothing, two to one, three to one games because they yep. would never give up goals. And right. it works. It's a smart strategy if you think about it. You can't lose if you don't get outscored. So what do you have to do? Keep other teams from scoring. And what is the best way to do it? The trap. So cry all you want. Too bad it already happened, and the Devils won three cups because of it, and should have should have won a fourth. And we a won't fifth. talk about. Well, no, I, I'm saying five. I think five. they should have won sh- all five. They've been in. We should have won all five, but 2000, 2001 right. is a and Stanley Cup. They the Devils should absolutely. Right, and have. we ain't talking about, and we're not talking about that. I mean, we, well, we we have no choice. We have to talk about it, but and of course, yeah. you know, again, folks, this is the '90s Devils, but. Sean and I are also, you know, we're just really good friends. And this is kind of what we do. Even if we're not recording anything, we, we just shoot the breeze. Just go on talk, these long tangents. And go on these long things. I know I have to keep this between 45 minutes, 60, 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we're at, I think, honestly, I think we're close to 20 minutes now. So, I mean, we're, we're doing, we're, we're doing, we're doing just fine. We're yeah. doing just fine. Yeah, but like just even going back to the the 95 Cup finals, like looking at the 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 team that the Red Wings have, you have Fedorov, Fatisov, Dino Cicerelli, even Paul Coffey, an older Paul Coffey who dominated in his days in the 80s with the Edmonton Oilers, Lidstrom and Iserman and one thing I wanted to get, everybody knows when Gary Bettman ever speaks, he gets booed. Why the New Jersey Devils? Gary Bettman has hated the New Jersey Devils since the 90s, and it's because of this Stanley Cup final. And he's also from New York. Uh, he, he, oh, he is? He is from oh, New no York. Idea. Yeah, he's from the island. Oh, I had no idea. Fun but, fact, everybody would like to know that. Yeah. Oh, also, his, uh, his, his, um, I think his nephew, his nephews are Devils fans, in case somebody wants to know that too. So that eh, just makes Smart. it better. But Smart. I can't wait to see what happens if, uh, well, actually, he, he won't be there at the lottery tomorrow, probably. Why would he uh, want to be there? Why would he want to be there? Yeah. It'll be Bill Daly. It'll, it'll be Bill Daly doing it. I'm sure he'll be like wherever it's being held. Like well, it's inside, gonna be on Zoom. inside, like the room that it's happening. Right. I'm sure he's going to be the one pulling the lottery balls. But right. anyway. Stevie Iserman was an up-and-coming NHL superstar, and this was his chance to win his first Stanley Cup. And the devil said, F you, you ain't winning anything this year. And Gary Bettman saw that and was very ticked off. And that's why there were so many rumors of the devils possibly moving to Nashville, relocations, and this Stanley Cup is... I'm not sure if it's confirmed. It's probably not confirmed, but it's a very big theory that because the Devils kept Stevie Iserman from winning his first Stanley Cup, Gary Bettman was not happy about this and was threatening, forcing them to relocate. But right. eventually they didn't. Nashville got a team anyway, and we're still here. We're still here. We're still here. here. (laughs) Exactly, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And one thing that I should also mention is that the Devils established at the time an NHL record by posting 11 road victories in one playoff season. That was eventually broken uh, by the 2012 Los Angeles Kings. Um, 
who happened to beat the Devils in the Cup wow. final. But anyway, not talking about that. Uh, the success, like you meant, that like you had just mentioned, the success also came amidst constant rumors that the team would move for the third time in its history to Nashville. And Nashville eventually got a team in 1998, the Nashville Predators. Um, and the state of New Jersey was so worried about losing the team, especially after winning the Stanley Cup, that they, you know, they decided they agreed to a fund on a renovation of the soon after renamed Continental Airlines Arena. So that was when Continental Airlines really started to become a popular airline. Maybe not as much now, but back then in the 90s, it was more of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, so it went from Brendan Byrne, as a lot, you know, the later generation Devils fans would know uh, to there. But, you know, just kind of recapping 95. Yeah, I mean, it's just the Devils are Stanley Cup champions and they're the best team in hockey. And I'm sure we could all agree that we thought, well, we're going to do this every year. We're so we're so good that we're going to do it. And then it kind of didn't happen that way as the Devils missed the playoffs by two points following season in the following season with a 37, 33 and 12 record being defeated by the Tampa Bay lightning for the last playoff spot in the East in the regular season, final five to two, all the devils had to do was win that game and they were in and they didn't even get a chance to defend their Stanley cup title. And to me, Sean, and I don't know if you would agree the biggest reason why they didn't make the playoffs that year, they had traded Claude Lemieux in the offseason to Colorado, who had just relocated from Quebec. And then what does Colorado do? Go Wins on and win the Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup the, that same year. And I think some of the heart and soul of that New Jersey Devils team was kind of taken out of them by all of a sudden just trading away the best player in the playoffs the year before. Right. Uh, you can really make the case whether that is true or not. I... I honestly have no idea why they lost. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs. It was quite shocking for everybody, not just Devils fans, but the entire NHL. You go from winning the Stanley Cup against probably one of the greatest teams of all time to never win a Stanley Cup. And then the next year you go out and you don't even make the playoffs. It's It was a quick 180 real quick yeah. from one year to the next. And I mean, if you're a Devils fan at that point, you have no idea what to expect going forward because you just won the Stanley Cup and now you didn't even make the playoffs to def and defend Lord Stanley. What are you thinking at that right. point? It's 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 nuts. But e even the next few years after, they they couldn't really do much in the playoffs. I know Pittsburgh was a problem. Ottawa was a constant problem. Oh, oh, my gosh. God. Ottawa was Ottawa, a pain no. in the ass with alfredson and uh oh and it got know, worse in the 2000s with Chris Ottawa too. it wasn't like it wasn't <sighs> like it just started in the 90s and stayed there it, it got worse in the 2000s but we don't have enough time to talk about that yeah it, it was just it was it, it was really unfortunate and it, it it's it's quite surprising. Like yeah. even like now I'm at a loss for words. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't explain why they didn't make the play or like didn't do anything to really yeah. get themselves going. I mean, they won one or two rounds here or there for the next few years, but it was, it was a little bit disappointing to say the least. Yeah. And uh, you know, when they didn't make the playoffs here after they won the cup and marked the first time in 26 years at that time that a defending cup champion failed to reach the playoffs. So a shock, massively disappointing. And, you know, like you mentioned before, Sean, for most of the remainder of the decade, the Devils just failed to live up to expectations because by that point, the Devils are now at the top 
are one of the top tier teams in the league with the amount of talent that they had and everything. They were expected every year to not only make the playoffs, but make a long run. Hey, Toronto, does that sound familiar to you guys right now? Just That's too soon. Too soon. It's, I know too soon, too soon, but you know, it was, it was, you know, despite annually having one of the best regular season records in the league, I think they won one or two president's trophies during that time. They were ousted by the Rangers in 97. And then like you mentioned before, Ottawa the year later, and it was tough because then Jacques Lemaire resigned after the 1998 season and was replaced by Robbie Fatorik. Now, to me, Robbie Fatorik was a solid coach. He was more of a yeller than really anything else. He was very, he was very well known for, for that. And, you know, look, the train kept rolling. They were still making the playoffs and everything, but they just didn't have enough oomph to get to get across the finish line of getting back to the finals and winning winning a Stanley Cup. And, you know, even though Fatorik had a good year, the next season they ended ended the previous year, like you mentioned, with Pittsburgh losing in the first round, which by the way, um, had Pittsburgh not won that series, I don't think the Penguins exist, um, yeah. considering their situation at the time financially. Uh, nearly losing their team. So that was that was tough. So by the time you get to 1999-2000, we were just at the point where it was like, okay, all the good that happened in 94-95 is gone. It's gone. Like, mm-hmm. it's now, can we get back? We have to get to the playoffs and we got to go back. We have to they, do things to get it going. got to do damage. Got to make an impact. Honestly, it was probably Stanley Cup or bust. And look, Jacques Lemaire, uh, excuse me, Lou Lemerel was never, he's never been a big fan of rebuilding. I mean, he did it in Toronto, but he never, I don't want to say he never did it in New Jersey, but like, especially with where the Devils are like right now, yeah. that was, ne- we never got to that point with Lou. It was yeah. always, how can we retool the team to be better yeah. than where it's, we are right now? It was all about reloading because we know we ha- they had the core of Danico, Stevens, Niedermeyer, Brodeur, and all those guys, but they just had to add some more fresh blood, and they definitely did that in 99-2000. Oh, yeah, and Leighton, and, and, and here's the thing. The Devils were actually rolling throughout that season. They really were. They, they had some really, really good players on that team as well. Patrick Eliash, Peter Sikora. Jason Arnott, those three guys, you know, created the Arnott line, which has been one of those famous lines that people will talk about for generations upon generations with the amount of damage that they did. And they also had Brian Rafalski in his rookie year. And we all know the type of player Brian Rafalski ended up becoming. And then you had John Madden. who And Gomer. And, and Gomer. It's Scott Gomez. And here's the fun thing about Gomez. Gomez actually was a Devils fan when he was younger because he saw Mike Peluso win a Stanley Cup in, in 1995 because Mike Peluso is from Anchorage, Alaska. Where is Scott Gomez from? Anchorage, Alaska. So mm-hmm. there you go. And the best move, though, Sean, honestly, the best move was this. Lou, in all three years we won the Cup, had to find that one impact scorer, that guy with a nose for the goal. 95? It was it was clearly Claude Lemieux. Mm-hmm. What did he do in nineteen? What did he do in ninety nine two thousand? He goes to Buffalo and says, "I'd like Alexander McGillney." And guess what? We got Alexander McGillney, who was a scoring machine. Yeah, and that was the prime of his career, mind you. And everything was clicking. And then 
at the third, at the last point in the season, things started to fall apart. And it looked like even though the Devils were in first place in their division in the Eastern Conference, it didn't look like that this team was going to be going into the playoffs ready to go. Mm-hmm. And and so Lou Lemerov made the very surprising decision to fire Robbie Fatorik with about four or five games to go in the regular season and replaced him with former Hall of Fame defenseman Larry Robinson, assistant coach at the time with the Devils, as the interim head coach, if you want to. I mean, I, I don't think he was ever given the interim status. I think he was just hired as the head coach right away. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... That was the thing. And the Devils had the fourth best record in the NHL. And he was just worried that the team was just on its way to another first round flop. And that was understandably so because the team did not finish the year on a high note. Yeah. And it, it, it like I said, it came to a surprise of everybody. The Devils had one of the best records in the entire Eastern Conference. They were battling out with the Flyers towards the end of the regular season and they eventually got shelled out just by a point or two on the last right. day. Point or two. So the, the devils went into the playoffs with this, the second seed in the Eastern conference. And if you watch uh, something, I constantly do. And I wouldn't say constantly. I used to constantly do this. <laughs> watch the 2000 Stanley cup champions video. Oh no, I do that YouTube. constantly. Oh no, I, I used to, Look, man, it's all that's all we got right now. Yeah, I used to do it. Shout out Ian Miller, whoever that is, for uh, putting those videos out on YouTube. The yeah. whole like hour long. I don't, I don't long know how he has gotten. He's had those up there for eight or nine years now. Yeah, and I'm quick, surprised it's still there. Quick plug to Ian Miller. He has a whole quick bunch plug. of like Devils videos that I just I can't he has stop all watching. he has anything you could think of Devils really he, he's got it on his on his channel. Dude's a legend. So yeah, so they went they, they Lou felt like that the team wasn't playing the way they needed to play, and they sent a me- he sent a message to the team saying you need to shape up. We management and the coaching staff is doing everything they can to make this team get where it needs to be. And so you guys need to get your ass in gear. And that's exactly what happened. I remember, I think it's Niedermeyer who was saying that he was like, he, he was talking about how they saw it as, all right, they're trying for us. We need to, get get going here and yep. really shape up and they did that easily right. with a first round sweep of florida. florida yeah they that was the pavel burry led florida panthers yep. um also at that time i believe current new jersey devils general manager scott fitzgerald Tom was still fitzgerald. playing in the league at that point um so there's something to uh Again, another trivia question. See, we have trivia on here as well in case you'd like to use it for later times. But they got hey, MSG, Florida. Cadillac right. trivia. <laughs> yeah, Cadillac trivia, right? Yes. They they need to they need to find harder questions because some of those are some of those are very, very easy in my opinion. But that uh, not not that I like to toot my own horn or anything, but <laughs> you know, they dominated Florida. Uh, I think it was four straight. I think yep. if I remember correctly, it was four they straight. Then they go to, then they go to play Toronto. And they ended up winning that series in six. And we had just talked about it a few minutes ago. In game six um, of that series, the Devils won. And they gave up seven shots on goal the entire game. 
I'm not just in one period. No, the Maple Leafs finished with seven shots on goal through the through all of 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if that wasn't the best game when it comes to the embodiment of the neutral zone trap, I don't know what is. I mean, that was pure defensive dominance in game six in a game where they had to try to clinch it to move on to the conference finals. And that was a, that was a phenomenal performance. Um, and that was, uh, it was during when Ty Domi was uh, still uh, playing and playing with the uh, Maple Leafs at that time. What a and- loser that guy is. <laughs> that guy is such an egghead. I can't even like, do not even get me started on Ty Domi. Uh, bro, this, Very this proud. Is not, this is not the Ty Domi. Uh, we, we despise Ty, Ty Domi podcast episode nah. here. No, I mean, it isn't, day. but I am the leader of the, I hate Ty Domi fan club. That guy well, is such a, maybe you like, do you like his son better? Max is okay. He's all right. I mean, is, isn't he on Columbus now? Columbus, yep. He's on Ever Col- since he got traded to Columbus, I completely forgot about it. You forgot about it, right? Well, yeah. Which, honestly, it should stay that way. I really, <laughs> I really don't care about yeah, the Domi. Yeah, no, uh, Sean is not welcomed in the Domi household. No. Um, I, don't think I got blocked soon. by him on Twitter for calling him out because I tweeted a picture. <laughs> I tweeted a picture of him getting nailed by Stevens and he blocked me. And I'm I believe that, that was I believe that picture was actually from that that playoff series, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was saying something about how Stevens wasn't was such a wuss or like was such a soft guy or like saying try, he wouldn't try fight. Try telling that to Eric Lindros or you know Paul Correa. Yeah, right? like literally or Kozlov in '95. Like he was saying how Stevens wouldn't fight him or whatever. He didn't need to. He would just he crush you. No, you just no. He no. See, Scott Stevens wasn't. He was an eliminator. Like he would just hit you, and you would just be eliminated. Yeah. Danico was more of the fighter. Yeah. Danico was more of the guy that would probably scrap with you. I think actually Danico might have scrapped with Domi once or twice um, when they were playing. I could be wrong. He probably he's probably fought half of the players in the NHL at some point or another in his career, but we love Mr. Devil 100%. Absolutely. Um, But you look at, and then you go to the conference finals and you're playing the Philadelphia Flyers shades of 95 and the devils dominate game one in Philadelphia. And we're like, okay, we got it going. And then things really went to, you know what, as the devils proceeded to lose, not one, not two, but three games in a row and before we knew it, after four games, the Devils are trailing three games to one with one loss away from being eliminated and the Flyers of all teams going to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I remember some of the guys, I believe it was Marty and also Scott Niedemeyer was saying after game four, uh, Larry Robinson just came in the room and flipped out. Like, And yeah. Larry Robinson's not a guy that like screams and yells. He's very low key. Very laid back, player but friendly. He, he yeah. just lost it. I mean, he he was he was throwing garbage cans, he was screaming in guys' faces, saying, "You guys are not listening to what we're trying to say." And even in his press conference, he was saying that you know these guys sometimes they think that they know what they're doing, and uh, you know until they get it through their thick skulls, we're going to struggle, we're going to have problems, and if hockey was so easy, we wouldn't have coaches, we would just have players, and uh, yeah. it was. It was exactly what they needed. They needed at that point to get You're a kick in the rear end to say, you guys need to listen to what we're saying for because otherwise we are going to lose. And that was shown through three straight games. So you go into game five in Philadelphia and you needed to win. And you won that game. 
you won game six and you forced game seven. And the big news I remember, Sean, in game seven was Eric Lindros, who had been hurt most of that year, was back in the lineup for game seven. And that was like a big emotional thing. And as we all know, um, not only did Scott Stevens quiet uh, the Flyers crowd, he quieted the entire bench of the Flyers as he proceeded to, as I mentioned before, eliminate Eric Lindros right at center ice. And mind you, Scott Stevens is not as big as Eric Lindros. I think Eric Lindros was like five inches taller than, than Scott Stevens, something like that. Probably. He still put him on it. He still put him on the ground and knocked him out of the game. And then the Devils, they still needed a late goal to try to, you know, win this game. And Patrick Elias on a rebound just was able to beat the goaltender and score. And I remember him gliding to the to the Devils bench, leaping into their arms. And that was it. We knew right then and there. We got it. We we got this game. Less than three minutes to go in the game. Going to overtime. Everybody's thinking, oh, all right, overtime. Game seven, overtime. Let's go. Elias said not so fast. And he and he scored the game winner, and the Devils were able to win that game and win that series and become, I think at that time, the 21st or 22nd team in NHL history to come back from down three games to one in a playoff series to win it all. Um, and Montreal would certainly know how that feels after Monday night. I, I, I'm just really going off on, on Toronto. Yeah, you're really beating up the Leafs no, know, like they're know, already I dead. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know the. I know one of the other episodes of this Dynasty uh, decade was about the 60s uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, which is still the last time that they can talk about Stanley Cups. But that's okay. That's okay. But anyway, the Devils win that game. They win the Eastern Conference. And they move on to the Stanley Cup Finals against the defending Stanley Cup champion, Dallas Stars. And this was such a phenomenal matchup because you looked at Dallas, Brett Hall, Mike Madonna, Darian Hatcher, Eddie the Eagle Balfour, and, you know, Ken Hitchcock is their head coach. That was a stacked team, and they're the defending cup champions. Yeah. And, Sean, I know you've heard this. And if you guys check out the Devil's State of Mind podcast, you hear in the intro of the podcast of Gary Thorne saying, welcome to New York. I know he meant to say Jersey. It was the wrong damn state at that, what he said, but after every single player was announced, and this is where the whole tradition for Devils fans started. After every player was announced, the Devils fans in unison would say socks. And that was kind of like the first, like that was the first thing Devils fans were ready. They were ready to go for that series. And, it was just a, it's it's such a it was such an awesome matchup for the Devils to be playing the defending cup champs at that time. Yeah. And that that series in general was very iconic. We we remember first game one, how crazy that was. And then the stars seemed like they were kind of battling back a little bit. The Devils really never had that series in the bag. And then the last two games going to triple overtime and double Ooh. overtime. Oh man, what so stressful. But they got the job done, and, you know, <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah, they, a lot of people lost sleep during that series. But if you look at, you know, how the Devils started that series, they were dominant. I mean, they really were. They really showcased themselves as, you know, we 
we're here. We're here to get the job done. We're here to win a Stanley Cup. And they eventually went up three games to one themselves, uh, going back to New Jersey for game five. And that, and like you mentioned before, Sean, that game five went to triple overtime, and there were plenty of opportunities. I remember Eliash in double overtime had a breakaway, and there was another situation where Ed Balfour misplayed the puck. It came right out in front. There were two Devils players right there, and somehow – Ed Balfour came out and made the save and Gary Thorne was going like, where's the puck? Where is it? And, and I remember they had one of the referees mic'd up for that game five. And, and the referee said to Ed Balfour, he said, you just gave him a heart attack. And it was like, yeah, because you know, at that point, it's either we're going back to Dallas for game six or the devils are winning the Stanley cup at home in front of, in front of their fans. And it was a weird goal. Uh, Mike Madonna was skating from the left side, just skated right in front of Marty. And it was just a shot just kind of thrown at the net. And he got a ni- nice enough tip and it went in and the stars were able to force a game six. And you knew, you knew that in the back of the devil's minds, they were like, okay, we just did this to, to Philadelphia, the previous series. We cannot go back home for game seven. We can't do that. We can't allow Dallas to get back in this. And it was a very, 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 very physical game, um, game six. I remember Joe Newendike got obl- – like, he he got knocked out of the game. He got upended, I remember, um, in that game, and he had to leave the game uh, for Dallas. And then, obviously, as we know, Darian Hatcher pretty much knocked Peter Sakura unconscious with that big-time hit and. Sakura had to go to the hospital. So there was a lot of there was a lot of bad blood by that time we got to game six. Both teams did not like each other, and it showed. And Scott Niedermeyer scored a fantastic goal going pretty much from behind the net all the way down, scored on a rebound. Devils take the one-nothing lead. And then um, I believe it was uh Darian Hatcher, or actually it was Mike Keane, the former Montreal Canadian that scored the game tying goal and it remained one, one for a very long time. And then we go all the way to double overtime and you know what, Sean, why why don't you, uh, why don't you take over from here? Oh, what a classic, classic moment. The day after I was born, no less. Oh, there you go. So early birthday present for you right there. Exactly. So now I can technically say I was alive for two cups. Didn't see both of them, but I was alive for them. Anyway, it was a face-off draw in the new in the Dallas zone. Comes back to Stevens. He kind of dumps it into the other side of the net. And you know, Eliash with his guy on his back sees Arnett slowly creeping into this high slot on the other side of the ice. No looks it right across the ice. And the New Jersey Devils have won the Stanley Cup in double overtime. Jason oh. Arnett. Oh, what a what a great moment. And I don't know if I was if I was like 24 back then, I would have been losing. I've been screaming. I've been running all over the house. I would I would have passed out. I wouldn't I know what to do with myself. Uh, I couldn't time. even I couldn't even tell you what I would do. The cr- it, it would be Philadelphia Super Bowl all over again. Oh jeez. Yeah. That's... I wouldn't go as far as eating horse poop, but <laughs> The crazy would you, things would you, I would, would do. Would you climb up poles? Would you climb I, up traffic poles? It'd be a thought in my mind. I'll <laughs> oh, tell you that. Geez. Go down. Yeah. Go down. Go down there. But the Devils win that Stanley Cup. And, you know, Scott Stevens uh, ended up winning the Consumers Playoff MVP. I mean, he shut down 
some of the best players in the NHL that year. And he was just a great, great guy, great captain, great leader. And he rightfully deserved it. And again, you knew that Gary Bevin just did not want to give the cup to New Jersey, but he had no choice. And the Devils won that. And I remember also Patrick Elias was wearing uh, Peter mm-hmm. Sikora's jersey uh, while he was hoisting the cup because he knew that Sikora was in the hospital, you know, obviously dealing with a massive concussion. But they eventually were able to get the cup to him and they were able to celebrate that. And what I love is that if you go back to 2019, uh, the Devils yeah. actually, they celebrated the 2000 Stanley Cup team and they allowed Peter Sikora to have um, wasn't it moment. I think it was 2020. I was going to say, wasn't it right before COVID? Yeah. It was like yeah. February. It was of, right before COVID hit. Right. Yeah. Right before COVID hit. And they they, gave, they gave him a skate. Like he had his own lap. Right. And that was great. Cool. And that was wonderful that they were able to do that. And that was awesome. And the Devils finally, after a couple of years, were able to get back to the mountaintop in a year where I think it was more not necessarily that we were confident that they were going to win the cup, but it was, they were definitely more of an underdog team Yeah. Uh, in that playoff when they played Philly and certainly when they played Dallas and they were able to fight through a lot of adversity and they were able to do it. And Jason Arnett, I'm sure he will tell you that was the best goal he ever scored. Um, and that was a phenomenal one yeah. for him to score. Yeah. That, that Stanley cup team was definitely like a prove it kind of year where, you know they could do it. They did it before with the same core that they had. They just needed they needed a little oomph, and they did it. They eventually ended up doing it, and no doubt that's Jason Arnott's best goal he's ever <laughs> scored. Like, it's not even close. Absolutely. A Stanley Cup winning goal in double overtime, yeah. there's not many goals that can beat that. No, absolutely. And uh, that was really kind of, you know, you know, pretty much it for the, the 90s. Uh, obviously, as Devils fans, like Sean, you just mentioned, go to the cup final next year, lose in 2000-2001 to Colorado, yeah. then win the cup in 2003. Um, and we had a lot of playoff success for, for years to come, but it really started in the 90s, and that's what really got the Devils to being respected among the NHL elite. And some people will tell you some of those, some of those players on those Devils teams were some of the greatest players to ever play the position, some of the greatest executives, some of the greatest coaches. And, you know, the longer that it's been uh, since the Devils won a cup, the more, the sweeter it gets uh, to see those guys come back and be honored. And some of them actually even come back in the organization and Mm -hmm. try to help this team. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, yeah, it's special no matter where you go to win a Stanley Cup, but to win a championship in New Jersey, it's just a little bit more, meaningful to a lot of people because we know how much jersey gets crapped on you know armpit of america oh everybody lives in newark oh you're you know oh you guys jersey shore jersey shore exactly all that all that horse manure to be able to win a championship and to stick it to not only people in new york but all over the country is just a phenomenal thing and i hope that the devils can look at this period and say we can get back there. We have the ability. And you look at the team now, we have we have young players with a lot of upside, a lot of talent, and we know that there's a lot of lot more work to do. But hopefully in the not-too-distant future, Sean, this Devils team can get back to what they were doing in the 90s, which is 
competing and winning Stanley Cups. Yeah, and I think go if we go into a few years, the Devils will be pretty competitive. I think they'll I mean, I'm an optimistic Devils fan for once <laughs> in my life, but I think the Devils are going to be pretty good within yeah. the next couple of years, but Going back to the Devils in the 90s, they really they're very much a part of NHL history. Some one of some of the greatest teams, greatest players and people like you mentioned in the organization that helped develop hockey into what it is today and yeah. a game that everybody loves and the Devils played a huge part in it. So, I'm very Absolutely. proud. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of being a Devils fan as bad as they are now. They were one of the <laughs> top three teams, three or four teams, late nineties. And you know what? The devils can't like, see what separates us now from Buffalo is we have cups. We've done it before. <laughs> Buffalo is such a disgrace of an organization. We've been, we've been really crapping on other teams while yeah, doing this. I just like this is uh, supposed to be just about the '90s Devils, and we're just going off on. We're on terrible. Toronto, Buffalo. You hate Toronto. I hate Buffalo. Buffalo right. right. <laughs> and Ty Domi. Yeah. Uh, and look again, guys. This is just who we are. Yeah. You know, we just we ain't gonna change anytime soon. So you gonna have just to guys with, being dudes just guys like being I, dudes. like One, i like to say 100 100 and, and on that note that's going to do it for this edition of dynasty by decade the 90s devils um you know as far as for myself you can follow me on twitter at devil state on instagram at devil state of mind uh like us on our facebook page as well and we are the podcast that talks about all things you need to know uh, with the New Jersey Devils, we have a couple of great episodes coming up in the future. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be fun. And I hope you guys stick around for that. We're on the Hockey Podcast Network, the Great Hockey Podcast Network. And, uh, Sean, before we before we say goodbye, let the, let the lovely people know where they can find you. Yep. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at SHarrington2000. I pretty pretty fanatic sports fan, whether it comes to the Devils, the New York Jets, the Yankees Oof. and the Utah jazz. I am a Utah jazz fan. Don't ask me why it's very weird, but yeah, no, I, I just found that out yet. Like maybe t- yesterday. Yeah. Huge fan of Donovan liked, Mitchell. I didn't even know you liked basketball. I kind of got into it. You know, it's, the I Utah mean, it's, jazz. you were like, Utah. Oh, let me find a random team to like, Oh, there you go. Yep. I it's think like, their jerseys Utah, are sick Utah's though. Random. Yeah, it is random, but you know what? Donovan Mitchell's a stud and yep. Their mountain jerseys are fresh as hell. They are. They are, man. But thank you guys so much for taking this time to listen to this episode. And we greatly appreciate it. So for Sean Carrington, I'm Neil Villapiano. This has, again, been Dynasty by Decade, talking about the 90s Devils. Take care. Be safe. Let's go, Devils. Let's go, Devils. Devils.